the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the Great Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Now attached to the Hall of Faith are the rewards of faith. And that's what we're talking about here next on Truth For Today. Faithfulness, something that God works in and through us and then rewards us for that faithfulness. It's an amazing one-two combination that no one in their right mind would ever walk away from. Yet sadly, so many do. We're looking at the rewards of faith as recorded for us here in Hebrews chapter 11. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, shall we? Here in Hebrews 11 with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. The Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What does it mean to have a hard heart towards God? It means you don't listen to him anymore. A hard heart literally means I've become insensitive to the voice of God. Could you hear God if he was telling you to do anything today? What is God telling you to do right now in your life? Primarily, he gives you his word. says, in all things, give thanks, maybe. Or uh, in a difficult situation, maybe in a marriage, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And, oh, I don't want to love her. I want to choke. Love her. That's the word of God to you. And then you tell her, of course, submit. And she doesn't want to submit. She wants to... Uh, Booby trap the house when she's gone. When you think it's a roast dinner, we'll be roast. You will be the roast. That, that, that's a promise of God. That's a promise of how to do it. It's a principle. Don't know what you're wrestling with. But when we get a hard heart, there's some of you aren't changing under preaching. You've got preaching all figured out. You no longer hear God. It's a dangerous thing to sit under preaching week after week and not change. I know people in this church, I don't think they've changed in five years. But they come every Sunday. They hear us preach because you can develop an insensitivity to God that you can enjoy the preaching like they enjoyed hearing Ezekiel. They said, the Israel came and heard Ezekiel preach, and they said he was like a man in a band playing an instrument. They loved to see him perform in his prophetic ministry, but they wouldn't do what he said. And a hard heart is when you handle the Bible as something that's uh, familiar. You know it. Uh, yeah, there's the Bible. Yeah, pre- Phil preaches kind of long and. Yeah, I've heard this before, man, yeah. You got a hard heart. 
God won't speak to people that don't want to hear him. That's why he told the churches of Revelation, he that's got an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. If you don't want to change, God will let you not change. If you don't want the truth, God will enable you to believe a lie and be damned. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Because they received not a love for the truth, he let them believe the lie to the damnation of their soul. If you don't want truth, don't worry. God will withhold it from you. Most people don't know truth. God has not allowed them to know the truth. They hear, but they don't perceive. They see, but they do not see. Watch. Watch that your Bible doesn't become ink and paper that you don't hear the voice of God. Can you hear him? Talk. You've got to hear God. You don't need to hear this preacher. You've got to hear God, but you better hope this preacher tells you what God says. And if I don't find one that will, I wouldn't go to a church where they didn't preach the Bible. I said I wouldn't go to church where they don't preach the Bible. Sell it. Get out of the church business. Get a carnival tent. Do something you can do. Be a clown. God's called men to preach the Bible. And if you don't think it's being preached, tell us. Then I'll ask you if you're doing it. And we all will bow our heads. How much we know and how little we often do. We know more than we do. Do not harden your hearts. This is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They've got a heart problem. And they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What a mechanism. You've got a heart that is sinful at times and can go into unbelief in a moment. You're walking along, you're doing fine, and all of a sudden you make a choice not to believe God, and your heart just fools you. He says it, it's because it can deceive you. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That verse haunted me on the way to church this morning. The worst thing about sin is it can deceive you. And the word, the root idea behind this word deceit here is it's a deceit built on pleasure. It promises you something better and when you finally grasp it and get it, it's death. Because sin is to be dissatisfied with God's will for your life. Sin will never let you be satisfied with doing things God's way. Sin reaches beyond the border, beyond the boundaries. I must eat the fruit of the tree, for I can never be happy until I eat that fruit. And when you eat it, death. But what drew you was pleasure. What you were paid with was death. And what God says to us, believe me, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, do the hard thing. Resist temptation and I'll reward you with life. I'll reward you with good things. Just do it my way. Don't do Sinatra's, I did it my way. You want to say, I did it God's way. He goes on to tell 
they heard his voice. God swore, I won't let them enter my rest. In chapter 4, he says, in verse 2, For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. It's an amazing thing that I could preach the gospel 25 years in this place, and have people I know that have sat under this ministry that will be lost. I know some of them. If they die in the state they're in, they're lost. And they've heard the gospel hundreds of times in this church. Why? Why did the word do them no good? They didn't mix faith with it. They didn't believe what they heard. And so what they heard does them no good. But it is the gospel. It is the truth. But truth without faith being attached to it will do you no good. It's the myth of saying, if I go to enough seminars, if I sit under enough teachers, if I sit under enough tapes, if I hear enough radio preaching, enough pre hey, whoa, whoa. I know folks who know less than I do who often evidence more faith in God than I have. Have you ever known people with little knowledge but great faith? Then all of a sudden you say, I need more knowledge, I need more knowledge. And you keep growing all this knowledge, and all of a sudden your faith shrinks up so that you don't believe God for hardly anything. What pleases God is not your great knowledge, it's faith. It is impossible for God to bless your life, even if you're saved, if you don't believe him. And if you're here and you're without Christ... The thing that stands between you and God and the gift of eternal life is your refusal to believe that he loves you. Your refusal to flee to his son Jesus and say, I take you, Lord Jesus. I desperately want you. You're the life God promises. You said in Christ you would forgive me of all my sins. I believe you. I'm running to him as fast as I can. That will save you. Hearing me preach to you won't save you unless you believe it. How many believers today uh, are living in the wastelands of unbelief, whipped, defeated, and uh, you know it, you know it. He says here we ought to be doing something. Verse 13, I would just encourage you. Encourage one another once a month. Is that what your says? How often? How many of you get encouraged daily to live for God? I guarantee you this is the only day in the week, unless you go to a Wednesday, maybe a small group study. Some of you in ministry may get encouraged daily. But uh, in other words, he wants the believers to develop a lifestyle of encouragement. Uh, he, uh, let me say this. You haven't begun to mature until you learn to encourage other believers. The carnal and the infant among us are the critics and the grumblers. Those who can always critique everything. And never find, I know some people, uh, I've had some people in this church never encourage me, but they'll be sure to tell me any grievance. They know, boy, you hey, why don't you say something nice when something right goes on? It ought to be the lifestyle that we come prepared, especially on Sundays, to encourage one another. Now ask yourself, did you think that way when you came to church? Or did you say, man, I, I hope this sing good. I hope the music's not too loud. And Phil's back, and he goes along, and says, pray he'll get weak. 
And, uh, and, and I hope we have a good, decent meal this, today. Honey, what are we having? Oh, the, oh, you were defeated when you found out what you're going to have for lunch. And, and you didn't come prepared to encourage anybody. Most people don't go to church. They think they've done a lot to show up. But he said in Hebrews 10, 24, we meet together to stimulate one another to love and good works. I grew up in these small Pentecostal churches. And my dad, I'll tell you right now, my dad didn't go to church without having a verse and a testimony. You better not dare open that meeting to testimonies. You know, I, I've been in these churches, we say, let's have testimonies, and after about five minutes, no one does anything, the pastor says, well, I feel the Spirit is leading us to pray prayer of benediction. Yeah, he is. The saints don't know how to encourage each other. And you're embarrassed that those who do get up and say that they're having their foot operated on. I don't want to hear about your foot on Sunday. I want to hear about my God. Boy, you guys are quiet. I don't care. I'm going to preach. <laughs> Even if I limp up here. When are we going to have one day out of seven where we devote it to God? And you know, the big thing I see in this culture, we've made Sunday a hard day. God breaks into our week. Boy, it'd be such a good week if God didn't get Sundays. You're being set up for deception. You're drifting. You're moving away. This is the only time all week probably, that you'll hear a word from God to encourage, shake you, shake you from the deception, from the slumber, from the drifting heart, prone to wonder, Lord, how I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Come thou fount of every blessing. Oh, my heart knows how to wonder. We need revival in this church. All churches need revival. We need renewal. We're so lazy about the Christian life. In most churches I go to, I mean lazy. The pastors cry if anyone shows up at night. And they know nobody over ten people will show up for prayer. And yet our sons are in trouble. Our daughters are lost. Our nations are wrecked. And the saints aren't. Sunday's a hard day. You know why? You haven't made it God's day. You think it's your day. On Sunday, God raised his son from the dead for you. When is he going to get you? Quit making God hard to serve. God will keep you out of adultery. God will save your marriage. God will save your kids. God will change. I want to tell you there's more happening in a church on Sunday than anything Hollywood's produced. Amen. And it'll tell you to live for God. It'll tell you to seek God. It'll tell you to do like that preacher who for seven years fasted two meals a day. Was it worth it? Amen. The boy crying, coming off the drugs, and my wife and I wept as we watched it last night. It was worth it. I got my boy back. I got what I asked. And we've got a whole lot of us. We're going around with gas dreams because we're building a life on the fantasies of our heart and not on the faithfulness of our God. Our God is faithful. But he won't reward unbelief in the church, out of it.
I tell you, when we started this building program, we had a smaller congregation than today for sure. We had little resources compared to what we needed. Took all of our cash money to buy the property. We bought the property, we were broke. And we had this idea we were going to go by cash and build by cash. We didn't want to incur debt. And we went as far as we could. And then when we had to borrow, some were upset with us because hey, we were so anticipating going the whole route, but we desperately needed a place. But oh, to see what God did with little faith in us. Little faith. He's rewarded it because the second point is God always rewards faith. You see, God knows the difference between the push and the shove of a crowd. Watch this. Jesus is going along. People are pushing, shoving, and that he's being hit, jostled. And all of a sudden, a woman gets through that crowd and touches his garment. I think the issue of blood was, what, 18 years? Something like that. And Jesus said to his disciples, who touched me? I said, what do you mean, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. He said, I know the difference between a crowd pushing me and faith reaching out to me. I've just been feeling bodies, but I just now felt virtue go out of my body because I connected with someone believing me. Healed her just like that. The blood dried up. She went home and got what she came looking for. Jesus throughout the Gospels would say, according to your faith, be it. A blind man, I want my healing according to your faith. You can have it. Get his sight back. You see, God gave the gift of healing, but it was conditioned upon faith. Grace is conditioned on whether you believe God. What, how does God reward faith? Well, he accepted Abel's gift because he brought it in faith. He rejected Cain's. He accepts Enoch, translates him to heaven because he walked by faith. Noah comes along. He said, Noah, I'm going to rescue you from the flood, not just because you built an ark. He built the ark because he believed God. The faith made him work and follow God's instructions, and he saved his whole household. Here you get Abraham coming along. He ought to be in the gerontology ward someplace. He ought to be in the old folks' home and about think about being 99 years of age nearly. And... Uh, our senior pastors visit one of our 99-year-olds and says, guess what? God's about to make a nation come out of you and Sarah. Eh? <laughs> I said, a nation? Boy, you know, you, you, this desert sun's getting to you. We've, quit, we've never been able to have kids. But you're going to have a nation. Look at the stars. There's Haley Bob right there. And... Uh, I'm going to make you like the stars of the heaven. Abraham, I heard Gethsemane just simply in the Hebrew said, Amen. It's on your shoulders. I didn't make that promise. And by the time God gets ready to fulfill the promise, they show up in the tent and they catch Sarah back here laughing. It was a laugh. Unless God was in it. And they named him Isaac. Laughter. Just think of calling your boy to the table. Hey, laugh. Come to dinner. <laughs> laugh every night at the dinner table. God did it. Can you imagine? 
Abraham and Sarah laughing in old age. He did it, honey. There's laugh. Go into it, Isaac. Ha ha ha. Can you imagine? I don't know what they worked that out. God did it. God rewards faith. And I must say this. I love the story in 2 Kings 6 where Elisha sent his servant out. The Arameans were bothering Israel. And Elisha became their radar. He would send messages to the king and tell him where the Arameans were in the area. And the Arameans caught on. Hey, somebody is telling our position in the field. We've got to find out who it is. And they finally tracked it down to the Elisha's tent. And they were there in Dothan. And Elisha sent his servant out. And when he goes out, he looks. And man, all he sees is this Aramean army out there. He runs back in with the newspaper in his hands. And says, Prophet was surrounded by the armies of the Arameans. Elisha walks out. Lays his hands on him and says, God of Israel, open this man's eyes to see your armies. Touched his eyes and he looked and he saw the armies of heaven. And he says, Elisha, they outnumber the Arameans. Look at them. Francis Schaeffer said, to be unsaved is to be in a one-story world. Naturalism, materialism, and a box. It's only what man can do. And you sit in this chair, and you see the physical elements, you see things that we control and do. But he said, when you become a believer, God gives you a two-story approach to life. That is, there's something beyond natural forces. Something beyond what man can do. You step into the realm of the supernatural. And he said, we all sit in one of two chairs. Either the chair of naturalism or the chair of supernaturalism. Do you see God's army or do you only see the opponents? By faith, you can see God's army. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to lean upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord. He finally says the great pursuit of life is to pursue finding all you need in God. Carolyn's life's verse has been Psalms 37, 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And goes on and we kind of kid. She used that. She liked me before I was looking at her. And she prayed and claimed that verse. And eventually I fell hard. Fell in love with her. <laughs> and uh, the other day we were talking. Talking about the Lord. And I met Carolyn when I was uh, 17, I think. Been married nearly 32 years. Dated her for two and a half years. So nearly 35 years we've been in church and known We've got that much history together, about 35 years. And uh, we were just talking about God. I says, uh, has he satisfied our kiddish desires when we were 19 and 20? Has he, uh, my wife, I thank God for my wife. 
You've got to be a great woman to take all the jokes and abuse that I pour on her. But God's kept me in the ministry with a woman like her. She has never complained a day. No money or money. Big place, small place. She's never said, do anything but preach. 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 That's what I married. You're a kid preacher. Keep trying. I said, has he satisfied your desires? We both looked at each other. He's done more than we ever thought. When God is your delight, He can fill all the desires of God. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.